Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. I don't know how long this podcast is for the world. When we spent the first 30 minutes of you guys getting here complaining about our slowly degrading bodies, and the 30 seconds before we hit record, we all just kind of stared into space. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's past 7.30 p.m. and thus we're slowly shutting down. This is the latest that I've had pants on in a long time instead of Uh my joggers. To what do we owe the honor? The belt was already on them. Uh. (laughs) Ah. That was why. A true gentleman. Also, I need you to stop uh, creating a delineation between joggers and pants because I need joggers to be accepted as pants soon because... They have to be because I only have one pair of pants and three pairs of joggers. I know. (laughs) We're slowly returning to the office and I'm like, I have not equipped myself over the last two years to be wearing hard pants. No, me neither. I am. I am. I have chinos for work and I'm afraid to put those on to see what (laughs) kind of damage I've done to my body. Brad, welcome back. Thank you. I sat in your spot. That's why it feels weird. It was disgusting. The vibe is off. It was, yeah, the, <laughs> for me and you both, my friend. Folks, welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Uh, dejected not only because of our failing bodies, but also because of the weekend of Red Wings of Hockey we had. Uh, one of your hosts, Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. I'm going to do a little bit of sappiness for a second. There was a very cool moment on um, the first of the Ottawa games where... Ken called out on the broadcast that Saturday night, Saturday, April 9th was going to be winged wheel podcast night at the LCA and hearing that on the air. And we didn't know, you know, that was coming or anything. Um, my mind immediately flashed back to like the first time we met and all met together in Brad's kitchen. (laughs) And I was like, I, there is not a world where I could have imagined what happened there (laughs) would lead to, a, you know, a partnered event with the Red Wings and Ken calling out our names on the podcast to the point where I was like, mm, I, those, that's not adding up. There's an alternate universe thing going on right now. Yeah. The Wikipedia page for imposter syndrome is just like one of my bookmarks on my phone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, before we get into the actual podcast, let's talk to you about Winged Wheel Podcast Night at the LCA. We are at time of recording six days away and even less because it's 8 p.m and and the event starts at four so saturday april 9th is winged wheel podcast night at the lca uh, an event that we're hosting in partnership with the detroit red wings to benefit the jamie daniels foundation Uh, it is going to feature a live recording of the podcast from little caesar's arena in the beer garden featuring ken daniels and mickey redmond mickey (laughs) mickey suggested calling the whole game from the beer garden which we'd be for but i'm I'm not sure our friends at bally sports detroit would love the technical logistics of that if mick wants it we can make it happen we can make it happen (laughs) uh there's going to we're going to have some uh, snacks out for you guys uh, at the start the bar will be open for you to buy drinks uh and then we have a meet and greet time all before the game and then during the game we sold out the gondola. There's a ton of sections uh, in the lower and upper, upper bowl full of Winged Wheel podcast fans and listeners. Um, and then there's more tickets still available in the lower and upper bowls as well. Uh, after the game, there is a post-game 
uh, meetup after party at Harry's Detroit Bar and Grill, where there's going to be more food, more drinks, more stuff to give away. We're going to have merch prizes and things at the pregame and after party. Uh, the tickets are discounted and a portion of the proceeds from every ticket benefits the Jamie Daniels Foundation. So it's a wonderful cause. You guys have already cleared the amount of tickets that we sold for the first event, which I am not kidding when I say we weren't expecting because we had less time to plan for this one. And also those games, we still had hope and optimism around the team. <laughs> the games mattered more, right? Like, <laughs> So I'm we are over the moon and just so excited to make it doesn't matter what happens for the Red Wings game. We're going to make it a party and it's going to be okay. fun and we're going to raise a lot of good money for the for the Jamie Daniels Foundation and it's going to be a blast. Um, speaking of the Jamie Daniels Foundation, uh, in addition to that event, another thing that they have going on is the Comedy Night, comedy night of Hope uh, on Sunday, May 1st at Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle in Royal Oak. Tickets are as low as 50 bucks and include lunch or dinner, depending on the show you go to. The purchase of your ticket goes directly to support a new adolescent substance abuse treatment center that cares for youth regardless of insurance coverage or ability to self-pay. This is a vital lifeline for youth and families in Southeast Michigan. Show features three headliner comedians with Craig Shoemaker, Ian Bag, and Mike Young, and is sponsored by our friends at Priority Waste and Cranks Catering. To purchase tickets and find out more, visit jamiedanielsfoundation.org. So we hope to see you all there. The Detroit Red Wings. A home and home against the Ottawa Senators, where the score was 5-2. Twice. Twice. The Red Wings are nothing if not consistent. This team is bad. firmly in Shane Wright territory. They're not moving down the standings because they had too much of a buffer. And this year's standings are a weird tilt of like you are either Florida, Tampa Bay, you know, some team killing it, or you're Arizona Coyotes. The only in between is like the few purgatory teams like in Detroit, Columbus ish range. But yeah, the, the Red Wings faced off against the Senators, lost both times. Hey, it's not like at least they didn't give up any hat tricks in either of the game. I know they gave up one. Did they give up two? Yeah, there's another one today. <laughs> no, no, I knew about the one today. Oh, yeah, yeah there's yeah. one on Joe's Friday. Friday was way too- oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Friday was way too Remember, far. Remember too, too, long, too ago. long ago, right? Oh. Remember the guy uh, that hit oh, Larkin yeah. from behind and then Larkin suckered him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he got traded to Ottawa. Guess what he did on Friday? Oh, no, now this is all coming back. No, he's just, it's, it's just too long ago. Back. It's not ah, cash okay. forever. I got anymore. you. I got <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah, so the Friday game... Uh, the Red Wings lost 5-2, and it started off with an Austin Watson shorthanded goal against Detroit, and that's how you knew where the night was going. That one's not a, a, usually crossed off on the bingo card. But. No, no, that's a pretty rare one, but it's uh, once you once you cross that one off, you that's know when you're, you're feeling good. You know you're yelling bingo. Yeah. Um, Lucas Raymond did score two goals, and that was, I think, a, a big that was that game's big story, right? Like there's uh Wallman's, I think it was 97 mile an hour slap shot that just squeaked through. Sogard, is it? Yeah, yeah. Sogard. First NHL start. So obviously he got the win against Detroit. Uh Wallman Wallman squeezed the shot through and then Raymond finished it. Right place, right time. He beached Tim Stutzler to the puck. Yeah, I didn't make a joke about it. What a bust. <laughs> Stutzler's good, man. He's w- really good. Watching Stutzler these two games, I'm like, every Every prospect who has like three seconds of bad hockey immediately gets labeled a bust. And this season, he wasn't lighting the world on fire for portions of it like he was in his rookie year. But watching him, I was like, oh, man, this guy, like, you knew, you already knew, but he is really good. 
Yeah, he probably goes second or third in a redraft. You know who else is really good? <laughs> Lucas Raymond. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, there was the Matthew Joseph hat trick. Um, only stopped from being a natural hat trick because Lucas Raymond split it up. But other than that, that was that game. That Matthew Joseph hat trick was the absolute definitive proof we needed that hockey gods exist and they hate us. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? Larkin and Matthew Joseph were were jawing at each other. I think Joseph got like a bad penalty call against him and Larkin was jawing at him or they, or they were going at each other. And I was like, I kind of like that this is um, still happening back and forth. Yeah. And maybe we see something tonight. And it's like, no, it's just Joseph's going to dunk on the Red Wings for three goals. I'm I'm out of adjectives. To Just listen to the team. like the podcast two podcasts ago. You can say that. You can yeah. say that every podcast. Just the run pro- the tape, Ryan. Run yeah. the tape. Honestly, should, <laughs> should we restart this episode and just take? the opponent's names and team name out of it and, <laughs> and just create a template. And Red Wings create- played very ba- bad against yeah. Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have you do all, you'll be our Siri. You'll do all the yeah. reads. We'll get you, uh, we'll get you some beer. We'll put the masters on it and occasionally we'll have <laughs> oh, you read God, the name. Don't even get me we'll started. just pull up a sign. Yeah. Don't even get me started. Yeah. There's little bits of those games. Like other than, you know, genuinely like who, <laughs> When when Ken called out Winged Wheel Podcast Night, Mort Sider had a little highlight reel of strength and, and Lucas Raymond retook the rookie points lead you know, after that game. Other than that, it just was what it was. The Red Wings dropped a game where their lineup was poor. Um they had a third they had a third period collapse where they gave up everything in the third, despite somewhat good, somewhat bad play before. It's a story we've seen a hundred times. They lost to a rookie goalie in his first career start. They gave up the Hattie. That's it. Can I ask you guys a question? Sure. Maybe just, you know, outside of... Okay, no. I'm just going to say the question. No context. Are Ottawa further ahead in their... Well, they're not rebuilding. So I can't say that. Yeah. Are they closer to competing than Detroit? No, absolutely not. No. I'm going to say no. Even though, you know, the Red Wings like the Red Wings just lost them twice, Ottawa has some unrealized hurt ahead of them, and that's the way I look at it. So they are cosplaying as a team who thinks that they can compete, and that's it. Ottawa this year is having the conversations we were having last year where they can say, we have a ton of good prospects. But no um, superstars? We have that? finally unloaded a lot of the bad contracts, but exactly, who are the superstars that are going to lead us through? The Red Wings this year... You can call it great drafting, call it luck. It's probably both. They got Sider and Raymond, and you can say those are the two guys. With Ottawa, you can argue Stutzla could get there, but he's not there yet. Are they going to go like the Minnesota route? And this is my goldfish brain, where they just are decent, decent, and all of a sudden they get Kaprizov and make a a trade for someone of his level, and then maybe just become a wagon. Is Pierre Dorian the kind of GM to pull that off, though? Yeah, because uh, <laughs> walks too close to corners. I don't think he does. <laughs> no, yeah, that's right. <laughs> In reality, Ottawa's drafting the last three years has been horrendous under Pierre Dorian. Like, let's not that forget they true. picked Tyler yes. Boucher at tenth overall. That is true. Oh my, I forgot about that. Yeah, exactly. I think you know they have to sort out their ownership, and I know that's still very raw, but it looks like Melnick's daughters. I don't know. I, I don't want to pretend to have any kind of information. I've heard so many rumors on that. It's not even worth speculating. Yeah. On. Whatever they do with ownership. This is as a neutral hockey fan. 
I hope they sort it out soon. It looks like they're going to move towards that downtown arena, which is that it's just good for them and it's good for hockey. And I hope new ownership gets a handle on things soon because I genuinely believe, and I feel bad ragging on the guy. He's had a tough couple of weeks here, but Pierre Dorian isn't the answer for the future. And the longer the gap in ownership goes, the longer he keeps his job and the longer it takes to fix the issues at hand. I mean, he just traded a legitimate future asset for an overpaid, <laughs> terrible at hockey cancer in the dressing room and Travis Hammond. Like, oh, so. we have to give up a third and Hammonick? I can't believe that. And then I go, wait, no, we're giving you the third. <laughs> in the second game, um, which finished finished 5-2, this one in Ottawa, the only things that the Red Wings did differently was they lost to Anton Forsberg and not a rookie goalie this time. And Forsberg's having a fantastic season. Um, they gave up another first career hat trick. In Josh Norris, who is that dude is the truth. Yeah, he had 30 goals. Uh, he has 30 goals. That came out of left field for me. I would have not been close on a guess. Uh, the Red Wings have given up. Do you know how many? Do you know the stat, Evan? Or can I make you guess? How many what? First career NHL hat tricks. Guess how many they've this given year? up this year? Five? Six. Oh my God. <laughs> Nathan Walker, Dylan Strom, Matt Boldy, Mitch Marner, Matthew Joseph, and Josh Norris. Six. First career NHL hat tricks against the Red Wings this season alone. If, At least somebody else is having fun. If I had no memory of this season and you told me, hey, the Red Wings have given up six career first NHL hat tricks in the tw- in the this millennium, I would have said that seems like the right number. Yeah. Well, when you give up nine or ten goals on the regular, odds are the same Somebody's guy's gonna get more trick. than one. Yeah. <laughs> They also uh, allowed an NHL record-breaking. They have allowed an NHL record-breaking twenty-six empty net goals this year. That that one I don't think is a function um, of the Red Wings being bad. Man, Heronic should be on other teams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd be lighting it up. Yeah, you would. <laughs> Someone made a, a very funny comment about like I think it was Bunting's point total and. Um, you know, they were comparing to Raymond or whatever. And someone very seriously said, you're not counting the fact that Bunting has been able to play against the Red Wings a couple times here. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, that is an incredibly good point. I think I made that joke like during that Leafs game. I'm like, yeah, of course he's going to get a ton of points. <laughs> yeah. It's unfair to Raymond. He doesn't get to play Detroit. So that's the that's the um, the gist of the recap. Like, there's nothing else there. Michael Rasmussen, I think, has looked better and better on the wing. He had a hell of a goal, and oh, that was unreal. He went inside out on Tim Stutzla and then ripped it on one of the best, like hottest goalies in the NHL. Yeah, it's unreal. Michael Rasmussen on the wing is the most common sense but fruitful decision that they could have made for his development. To the point where you notice we don't. They stopped trying to do the square peg round hole. Yeah. Like the first two months of the season was, hey, the Red Wings are doing way better than expected, except for this black hole, Michael Rasmussen. And the script has completely flipped. We don't talk about Michael Rasmussen anymore. Which that's is, exactly what we wanted. Yeah, I mean, not for ninth overall pick, but where he was at the beginning of the season. Yes. We are gone. Yeah. We are gone. <laughs> yeah. I actually, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we, I went from in October, late October, early November going, I don't think this guy has a future in the NHL to, hey, this could be a very good Bottom six winger. Michael Rasmussen on the wing belongs on the Red Wings. I will say that. In a bottom six winger role. Yeah. Uh, probably on the fourth line if it's a contending team. Yeah. If we're talking cups, yeah. Move them down that lineup for sure. 
But yeah, that, that's the Red Wings. Today they had, I think, first line Adam Ernie and first line Michael Rasmussen at different points. No Burton playing in Canada because we were in Ottawa. This lineup was never going to be good, of course. This team is still playing uninspired hockey. Yeah, but you can hockey. be ter- a terrible NHL team and still be competitive. Like, and you, well, keep games close. And you could at least build a roster in the hopes of keeping it competitive. I'm sorry, Adam Ernie hasn't had one game this year that could justify him being in the top <laughs> six for any reason. <laughs> and there's also like, you know, period over period. The first two, the Red Wings, there were points where I'm like, mm, you shouldn't be getting dominated like this. And there are other points where I'm like, hey, if you keep this up for the next like 35 remaining minutes, you'll probably eke out the win. And then the third period collapses. I've started again. And I'm just like, okay, that's this team is um, I think it's embodied right now by Larkin's postgame presser, you know, his postgame comments. He talked about uninspired play. He talked about he's looking around and it doesn't look like anyone's having fun. Like the guys. Oh shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. I love going to work and just getting dumped on. Like it's great. It's because of those chinos that you're wearing. Yeah. It's those tight ass chinos <laughs> that I can't do up anymore. It's the guys aren't buying in and the, and the guys aren't coming out in there and making the most of what they can. And what they have is very little. Like Larkin is very obviously beat up right now. Like he's playing hurt. Everyone can see that. You have Bertuzzi who can't play in in this game because he was in Canada. You have Fabry who's out. Just weird lineup stuff. The defense Wallman is legitimately still the best, still the best left defenseman. You know Lindstrom is struggling at points here. The the roster is that of a bottom five team in the NHL. But you still want to see guys come out and have fun and make the most of it. And when your captain comes out and recognizes that you're not. Man, is that not... They need to go to L.A. and have a beach day or something. They need the season to end. That's what they need. They need a summer to regroup, reset, and relax. This team very desperately is... is they're, they're, I don't... like None of these guys are doing this, but as a whole, the way this team is playing, they are playing for these last 13 games to get past as quick as possible. They have been through the ringer in terms of injury they've been through the ringer in terms of schedule like Larkin also called out I think very fairly their strength of schedule is insanely difficult the hardest in the league it's not going to get easier like look who they've played of course it's the hardest in the league they don't get the benefit of playing the Detroit Red Wings (laughs) (laughs) you know they have Boston and Winnipeg oh my god yeah we might not get a win this month you'd think Ottawa were the wins but uh hmm. oops like Columbus no, Columbus is playing decently well. Columbus needs to be the win, Evan. That needs to be the, the one. The only other place I can see, uh, we play New Jersey twice, who are an absolute gong show. Yeah, one of two teams whose goaltenders are worse than the Red Wings. So they've yeah. had like tw- they've had like seven goalies this year, and none of them have been good. I watched their six-two um, blown lead, and it just didn't stop. And I was like, oh, this seems familiar. <laughs> Team in <and> red, <laughs> friend. <laughs> so that that's what the Red Wings are. We're not going to sit here and like like genuinely not kidding what Evan said. It's the same stuff as all these previous games. What I want to talk about is um, there is confusion because the NHL doesn't mandate that you have to publicize these things, which drives me nuts. Uh, There is confusion about Jeff Blashill's contract for a long time. It was initially reported as a two-year straight-up deal. We've heard year and then year of team option. It's kind of gone back and forth. We have some feelers out. We're looking to, to get some confirmation, so we'll keep you posted. But... On um, the Hockey Night in Canada version of 32 Thoughts, they put up a graphic of coaches who are on expiring deals. 
And he was on it? And Jeff Blaschel was on it. Expiring or the next year as a team option. They didn't name Jeff, Jeff Blaschel by name like as they were reading out the, the notable guys. But Jeff Blaschel was on there. Which leads me to believe that, or at least for the time being, the understanding is Jeff Blaschel's contract the next year isn't guaranteed. And it's based on Steve Eisman and the Detroit Red Wings picking up that team option. Bad time to go on a massive slide if you're trying to keep your job. Okay, but this slide has gone, been going on since December. Oh, this yeah. slide has been going on since 2016, if you really want to get it. <laughs> I knew Brad was going <laughs> to say that. No, but but quite honestly, like, and this is definitely tailing off uh, our conversation after the, uh, what was the last catastrophe? The 11-2. Yeah. That was a week ago. There was, oh my god. <laughs> that was seven days ago. There are so many there are so many different arguments being made here that the waters are so muddied, but you know, isolate a few moments and you know, Larkin's dejected demeanor and, and comments are one thing. And the team just coming out and playing uninspired hockey and just because it's the end of the season you want to get it over doesn't mean you Give a half-ass effort. Dude, this is the period of time where a team in the Red Wings position, you're not going to slide down the standings much. You have too much of a buffer. You're certainly not making the playoffs. Go out there. Have fun. Let it rip. Try new shit. Mark Stahl, first line center. Rock star. I don't even mean like try new stuff with the lineup. I'm not going to ask that of Jeff Blaschel. I mean like if you're Lucas Raymond, rip every single shot on the power play. If you're Dylan Larkin, like go nuts out there with dangles that you never otherwise try. Like these guys are not inspired playing hockey right now. The other problem is the other teams are better. And, oh, substantially. Uh, yeah. yeah. They're not going to let you can't just, you can't run. just do crazy shit. Ryan Hanna's hot take is simply play better hockey. <laughs> yes. Thank you. <laughs> so I want to circle this all back into, cause you guys covered a bunch of things there, but I think it all circles I back to what <laughs> Where are we? Brad but, told us we went too far. We're in trouble. I, but I think it all circles back to Larkin's comment about we're not having fun because I'll just ask you guys a quick one word answer here. Is that the biggest indictment we've had on Jeff Blaschel as a coach in his tenure? Well, it all comes back to the whole, like all you have to be for the most part of as an NHL coach is a motivator. Stay out of their way. Get the most out of them emotionally. Stay out of their get way. Get them up so, for games. Because here's the thing, there's I said no because I, I watched I saw the number eleven on the board the yeah, other fair. game. You're not wrong. <laughs> Could not bear that. You're not wrong. But cause there's a, a multiple ways you can look at this as an indictment. One, it's a job a coach's job to keep the team loose. It's a coach's job to help the team win. And it's the coach's job to make sure the guys want to be there. I, I kept when I read that comment, I bet kept circling back to a comment scotty bowman made and i think it was actually on one of like the you know how when they used to win stanley cups and do stuff like that they'd have like those (laughs) videos that they'd like kind of do of the season yeah scotty bowman had a quote on that video where he said if you can get them to laugh right before they go on the ice on a big game you know you're gonna win that game because the team's loose that doesn't happen on these red wings like you just said too, circling into let them go out there and try stuff let them have fun this is the time to let it rip and you're right. You are a thousand percent right. Now is absolutely the time to try things. That's not Jeff Blashill. Jeff Blashill is one of the most conservative coaches in the league on stuff like this. They are going to play chip and chase hockey and these garbage systems that they've been playing for the last seven years. They're going to play it right up until game 82. Lucas Raymond's not going to get to try a Michigan. Uh, Dylan Larkin's not going to be able to try and toe drag and split two defensemen. Like, I mean, he'll try it every once in a while, but it's not something the Red Wings ever do. They're losing. They're not having fun. 
The coach can't keep them loose and they're not going to experiment with stuff. Anything valuable anyway. This is this ha- now coupled with the information of he's on an expiring contract. This has to be it. There is no upside. This is as bad as I've ever seen it. Can I, I want to jump in. I don't want to refute this point, but I just want to clarify. I don't think the issue is that, you know, Raymond isn't allowed to try the Michigan or Larkin isn't allowed to deke because that, that's all. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, it's obviously exaggerations, but. But the, the guys should just emotionally, they should be loose. Yeah. But, and when you're loose, you try stuff and that's not the current Red Wings way. They are not a creative team. Now, a lot of that could be argued. They really only have four or five guys who can try that stuff anyway. Can you really deploy something super creative if half the guys on the ice can barely stop from tripping over themselves? And yeah, that's a valid point, but maybe this is the time to just load up your five best players on the ice and pray the rest of the time. I mean, that's what was working for the Red Wings early in the season. Cause even when the Red Wings, we were super optimistic after the first two month and a half. Cause I keep forgetting the season didn't start till mid October first month and a half where the Red Wings were in a playoff spot and they were going good. They were really just being carried by five guys at that point. The goaltender happened to be one of them, which is obviously the biggest change to this point in the season. Go back to it. Try it. Like, just no more Adam Ernie in the top six. No more Phillips Dean on the fourth line. Raymond Bertuzzi Larkin don't get broken up unless they're in Canada. Mort Sider plays 29 minutes a night because he's got a rest at, at the end of this. <laughs> like he's almost he's almost out of it. Like Could he go play in the World Juniors? I think he could. <laughs> they I think would, he, they he, wouldn't. <laughs> he, he think he qualifies. I know Lucas no, Lucas Raymond could. Sider couldn't. Oh, yeah, that's right. Lucas Raymond could. Yeah, one year, two money. But my point is, what Larkin's not wrong. What is the benefit to being a Detroit Red Wing right now? Wing Wheel Podcast Night. That's that's it. That's the one. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate the show. (laughs) No free ads. (laughs) (laughs) I'll send you your five bucks later. Thanks. Nothing changes. The coach can't motivate them to win games. The coach can't keep them loose enough to have fun, at least while they're losing. The coach doesn't try things. I mean, I've tried so hard all year to not be overly critical of Blashill because I've had feedback. Hey man, you got to lay off over the last couple of years and it's fair. And they were right. So I scaled it back, but every damn year we see the same regression. We see the same problems. We see, we see the same, I'm not going to say group of players, but the same type of player regress. We don't see improvements from the Philip Zadinas and the Philip Ronics and the Dennis Chaloskis and the Andreas Athanasius of the world. We don't. It never happens. We saw the Red Wings who were full of a bunch of fresh new faces in October and November who had never played under Jeff Blashill before. We seen them thrive and this team succeed. And then we seen the team regress and fall right back into the same bullshit we have seen for the last seven years. So my question is, why has nothing changed? Well, I uh, at like, this point, no, the, con- I, the contract thing makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, now. but contract be damned. They fire coaches who just sign them. Uh, the ink's still wet. Look at look at the way Eisman operates. If if Eisman's not going to pick up this option, if that is the actual nature of the contract, there would you bet any money on Eisman being the kind of guy to fire with 14, 15 games left rather than just letting it ride out? He does not want that kerfuffle. No. Like it's just it's not the way he's gonna operate. And I think it's perfectly fair for us to be having this conversation now. I don't feel guilty about that, but it's gonna be 
only relevant after the next 13 games when his contract is up. Like, yeah. this is going to be a summertime thing. And I, and I want to point this out because I talked about this a couple weeks ago, and I'm not going back my word. I agree. Now is not the time to fire Jeff Blashill. There's only a dozen or so games left. It accomplishes nothing at this point. And I can actually argue a benefit to not doing it. When was the last time the Red Wings actually fired a coach? Dave Lewis? No, his contract expired. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been a long, long Long time. You have to go back to the early 90s. And that is a great reputation to have around the league to other coaches in the league. Man, Michael Bunting was only playing his rookie season back. Exactly. <laughs> um, so if the Red Wings don't, quote unquote, fire Jeff Blashill and, you know, he's the second most or third third most tenured coach in the NHL right now. Second right now. Right. Because uh, Paul Maurice quit. Yeah. That carries a great reputation in the coaching world in the NHL. Hey, the Red Wings treat their coaches well. And anybody can argue for the hand Blashill was dealt, which was a shitty one. Do not get me wrong. He got 2-7 off suit year after year yeah, after year. He, he was dealt the hammer every <laughs> damn season, but he misplayed it every damn year. Um, he got more leash than any coach in the NHL. Ever. That's going to reflect well. So if there are, and I know you're going to lead in this, so I'm not going to name names, but if there are multiple Big coaching names on the market this summer. You've already said my off my pick. Yeah. But if there are multiple big coaches on the market and there's a bunch of teams bidding for them, this plays in the Red Wings' favor. Hey, we don't treat our coaches poorly. We give them every benefit of the doubt. And then that might be the deciding factor that brings coach A, B, or C to the Red Wings instead of New Jersey or Nashville or whatever team has a coaching vacancy. Obviously, those teams don't. I'm just picking random teams. Well, and the Red Wings also have a lot of things going for them. Let's look at New Jersey. Tire fire. Like, absolute disaster. Well, uh, they yeah. have a nice young core. They have Hughes. They have I would Hughes actually here. argue they're in damn near the same spot we are. Yeah. like they Identical. I think that Dougie, they're going to want to see more out of Dougie Hamilton because that's a pretty mega contract, but... A really promising young core with very little depth and goaltenders who are cratering. The Devils are the Red Wings. Until I see anything out of the Devils, I've seen nothing. So they, we're just talking like this. We can just publish this on on Devils forums, and this podcast will be still the same relevancy. Yeah. Repla- anyway, replace most po- Saturn Lucas Raymond with uh, Jack Hughes and uh, Jesper Bratt this year. My point is basically <laughs> that the Red Wings have a lot of things going for them that would be enticing yes. for a coach to take. Yeah. Uh, newish arena. They've got the two call- top Calder finalists and they've got a infinite amount of cap space to go big game ham- hunting when the time comes like that. Historic team. The most respected Original six GM. Team. The most respected GM in the league stable ownership say what you want about chris illich but he has not given any indication that he is going to do anything different with the red wings than his hands off with the red Wings. they have more than three thousand seat capacity arena yeah Yeah. that's true that's a big advantage yeah so the the red wings for all things could be a very valuable destination for coach because all maurice already lived in winnipeg so it's (laughs) not that big of a chain but but yeah and this coach can come into a team that should be on the upswing that has underperformed regularly relative to what their roster consists of. This team should have never performed well, but they've still somehow managed to not clear that bar. And and all these other circumstances go around it. And then you factor in the history of how they treat their coaches, which is very fair. Yeah, this this could be 
a, a huge win for the Wings because, you know, if they fire Jeff Blashill right now, that could screw them out of their next coach because that coach could go, you fired your coach with a dozen games left? That's why. So we're going to give this a little bit of time, and that's because um, we decided it's okay. We talk and about this every podcast, and it's like so... No, 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 no. I, I'm talking about like the the upcoming... Like the, the spinoff to this coaching conversation. And it's definitely yeah. way too, we're getting way too ahead of ourselves. <laughs> Forget player free agency. <laughs> <laughs> this is something where it's going to, it's going to seem stupid. I'm sure in like two weeks, but currently Bruce, or as everyone loves to call him, Bruce Boudreaux doesn't, it's not a guarantee that he's going to go back to, to Vancouver. And there are some weird, uh, uh, quirks to his contract as Elliot Friedman has reported um there's like a team option but if they don't pick it up they're gonna pick it up they have to it's not it doesn't seem like it's guaranteed right now and remember they got a new GM and and remember like if they have a long-term vision maybe it's not Boudreaux I think it would be insane to not pick it up they brought him in and they he turned the fans were chanting his name yeah you don't. You do not let go of a coach where your fans fans don't generally chant coaches' names unless they're in a good way. Yeah, <laughs> and they're they're chanting Bruce. There it is, right? <laughs> Anyhow, if they don't pick him up, let's just let's just do this hypothetical because you know Vancouver has been known to do stupid stuff, previous regime, but whatever. What do the Red Wings need right now more than a coach who can come in, get these guys to buy in, loosen up? enjoy playing hockey and fire on all cylinders offensively because I would love to see this Red Wings team. Hey, if they were winning seven, six or losing six, five or five, four every night, I'd be okay with that. Cause at least they're putting up six, five and four. The defense is what it is. You know, Bruce Boudreaux can't come in and just make the Red Wings defense better. That's that's on Steve Eiserman and the drafting team, but he can come in and get the most out of this offense, which I think has more firepower than what it's been putting out recently. And they'd at least be having fun. I know that. That's the whole tagline to it. Is this 10 steps too far ahead? Yes. Are people groaning listening to this? As usual, when I talk, yes. I just think it's a fun hypothetical. And if you're looking at, okay, you guys are running your mouth about, you know, this isn't working with Blasio. What kind of coach would you want? I'm not saying it's the only kind of coach, but a Bruce Boudreaux would sure as hell be great. I want no explanation. Give me your top two coaching candidates that could maybe happen just top two don't explain it just say two names i'm gonna steal both of yours and say boudreau maurice yep same i was gonna say paul maurice and ricard gromberg but yeah there you go gromberg's I, up there and i'd also throw on roger Gronberg. yep i'm not gonna like and i'm not gonna marry myself to what like the idea of one coach or another because i think the yeah. world of coaching is so much more broad than people understand and Coaches don't get reported on and clicked and talked about. It could be some guy who's like an amazing coach in the NCAA yeah. that like does not get the attention that he deserves and comes in, does an interview, interviews really well. And they're like, this is the guy. Generally, I'm in favor of you hire a coach tailored to the roster you've built. So like when Boudreaux went to Washington, it made a ton of sense because they were an offensive powerhouse. So you bring in the guy who's going to maximize that. Um we don't know what the Red Wings roster is going to look like in three years. We don't know if they're going to be a defensive team or an offensive team. They're still – this roster is going to be turned over 75% between then. So what I'm looking for in a coach right now is the – more so the locker room stuff than the X's and O's stuff. And I know 
every player who's ever played for Boost Boudreaux said they'd run through a wall for him. He's he very walks good. Walks in the room and says, "Hey," and people laugh. Yeah, people, players love that man. They love playing for that guy. He's the right mix of he he can be serious and he'll lay into you, but he keeps it loose. He keeps it fun. His players love him. Paul Maurice is the same way in a very different method. He's an excellent communicator. From exactly. What I've been told. Yeah. There's no guess at where you're at, what's going yeah. on. He lays it all out there and is very excellent at communicating both ways. Exactly. So I want Maurice and Boudreaux for the exact same reason, for very different reasons, if yes. that makes sense. Yeah. Philip Sedina is used as the poster oh, child. Don't say that name. I don't want to deal with the comments after. <laughs> He's used as a poster child for this, and it has to be taken with a grain of salt. Grain of salt that there's no guarantee that Philip Zadina gets, you know, unlocked, so to speak, or fixed, quote unquote. But that's a guy who you know has the tools, but for some reason his toolkit never has all of them that he needs on any specific game. Mickey Redmond did an X's and O's to, on today's game of like exactly what Zadina needed to do differently with his shot to fire home a point blank opportunity that came off of a bad deflection from a defender. And it was literally as simple as you had the time read that the goalie went down because he knew you were shooting low and fire it high. Cause if you can fire it, you know, in that few, in- few square inches right beneath the bar as NHL shooters should be able to do, you'd score 20 more goals this season than you have. Michael Rasmussen doesn't have more goals than Philip Zadina out of luck. Sorry to say. So what kind of coach can come in and, again, it's not a guarantee, and I'm not saying it's going to happen, but using it as an example, come in and just chat with Zadina and say, just rip it or do this. Like, talk to this shooting coach and just whatever. And I'm I'm not saying the Red Wings don't have Zadina with the shooting coach, but to sum it up. To unlock guys who can do that kind of thing and get them to relax and get them to not grip their stick so tightly. He literally did it right now in Vancouver. Look what he did to all of Vancouver's stars who were slumping, struggling. Elias Pettersson. Yeah. You know, just look at Elias. Just look at Elias Pettersson's season splits, and that's that should be Bruce Boudreaux's resume. Just hand that to his next interview. So can we move on? <laughs> I'm so sick of having the Jeff Blashill conversation. Oh, well, buddy, I got some news for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to have a next game and next game. Yeah. Yeah. When the next game, the Red Wings give up five goals, uh, which will be this week. Uh, we'll repeat. And then the next time they give up five goals after that, we'll repeat. And I have to tell Mickey he needs to come with a shitload of stories because we can't do the Jeff Blashill conversation. No, yeah. <laughs> when we're there. Oh, it's good vibes only. And Prashant's not allowed to do stats either. Yeah, oh my no God. No charts, only vibes. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're not bringing the mood down. <laughs> Messenger of pain. <laughs> <laughs> we had to bribe him with a trip to a brewery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we jump into the next topic here, uh, I did want to tell you that this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast is proudly brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook, a sponsor that gives Red Wings fans what we desperately need right now, <laughs> excitement in the game of hockey. There are so many reasons why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. They are simple to use with great odds on different betting markets, giving you more action every game day. They're tons of fun with unique bet types like same game parlay, same game parlay and exclusive promotions on the biggest events. And when you win, you get your winnings back safely in as little as 24 hours. Now listen to this. FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just place that bet on any game and FanDuel will refund you up to $1,000 back in site credit if you don't win. No strings attached. If you win, you keep the cash. If you lose that first bet, you get up to one grand back in site credit. 
Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started with that risk-free bet and be sure to sign up with promo code WWP so they know the Winged Wheel podcast sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook promo code WWP. You must be 21 and older and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Iowa, Tennessee, Virginia, or Michigan. First online real money wager only. Site credit is non withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, or Virginia, Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789, 1-800-GAMBLER.net, West Virginia, or call 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. What do we want to do first? The prospect profile, or do we want to talk about scaling it up? Oh, God. You didn't tell me we were going to talk about that. Yeah. I wouldn't have come if I'd known. <laughs> That's the way the world works, man. <laughs> it's our podcast. We can do what we want. Prospect profile it is. All right. Uh, today's prospect profile is uh, position and need for the Red Wings. A left-handed defenseman from the Seattle Thunderbirds, Kevin Korchinski, who's been moving up uh, our charts recently. Yeah, I thought I was on to something after the top prospects game. And then, like, after that game, everybody's like, oh, no, yeah, no, he's really good. Thing. I'm like, okay, cool, I'm we're getting there. We're getting there. We're slowly <laughs> reaching the speed limit here. <laughs> Thanks, guys. But yeah, Kevin Korchinski, um, as we alluded, really caught our eye at the top prospects game. And that was kind of what put him on our radar because he was one of the guys in that game who wasn't talked about enough that performed or talked about a lot going into it that performed really, really well. So obviously started my uh, deeper dive on him afterwards. And uh, yeah, this isn't a fluke. He's been a riser all season. Um his mobility, his skating, his puck control, his edge work, his decision-making with the puck is fantastic. All those tools you want in a quote-unquote modern-day defenseman, Korchinski checks that box. Um, his power play work is awesome. His transitions are awesome. Defensively, he's a work in progress, but again, with almost every 17-year-old defenseman, i do not hold that against him. And he's one of the younger players in this draft too. I think he's like a June or a July birthday as well. June, yeah. June birthday. So he, he's he got a lot of room to fill out still and improve. And, um, you know, under a, a good coach can improve defense. But anyways, not circling back to that before Evan has a stroke. It's too late. <laughs> he actually has a knife under the table. He stabbed me twice. <laughs> um. So yeah, no, uh, Kraczynski's... One of my favorites in the draft, um, just for the exact reason I mentioned earlier that he has just about everything you want in the modern day defenseman. Noticing Kevin Korchinski more is a little upsetting because I don't think he goes in the range. And I know this is like deja vu after Moritz Sider <laughs> <laughs> with the sixth overall pick. Yeah. Detroit Red Wings select from the Seattle Thunderbirds. <laughs> so I, I right now, I think he'll. He's a defenseman, so I wouldn't be surprised if he cracks the top 10, but I'd put him in the teens, maybe, with the way his trajectory is going. He's closer to being near 20 than 30. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's, he's closer to being the Red Wings' first-round pick than the second-round pick. Yes. yes. Let's put it that way. But let's talk about him as a defenseman. You know, everything Brad just laid out is exactly right, and I think the questions about his defense, they're not as scary as they are for other defensive prospects, because if you look at him, he's like 6'2", 6'3". He's not Brendan Smith. And he's six two six three, and he moves really well. He's a really mobile player, and he does well with the puck on his stick. And his his footwork, like you said, is fantastic. So even with the puck not on his stick, you know he has the tools where you don't have to be this big, booming defenseman, but you can put yourself in the right spot to defend those plays. And that's something that defensemen can improve over time. If you've got the footwork and the athleticism, you can teach them defense. 100%. And I hate being reductive about the position of defense because I don't know if you know this. What? It's the easiest position in sports. 
Yes. <laughs> sit back in the old lazy boy and make out it passes. No, in all seriousness, though, like it, it's there are certain things that you want in the modern NHL from a defenseman that are teachable and that aren't. And I think the positioning and stuff that can come with the the tools that you can't teach, which are the the athleticism and the like, the really really good footwork and mobility. Some of that is teachable, but I digress. That that's something. It, it all just applies to Kevin Korczynski in a way where you're like, this isn't a scary. The deficits aren't scary for me. So I see a guy who's on the left side. I see a guy who can move the puck up and down the ice, and I see a guy who has the tools. Where I'm like, he's not going to be an anchor on this blue line in either zone. That's someone for me who I don't know how this draft is going to shake out. But if the Red Wings walk away from it with Kevin Korczynski, I'd be thrilled. Yeah. So the one thing that I think it's overlooked when talking about defense a lot is. To me, it's what made me notice Korchinski first. There's two ways you defend in your own zone, when you have the puck and when you don't. And when you don't is where his improvements can come. But as we've seen with the Red Wings this year, uh, defense can still go to hell when when they have the puck. <laughs> <laughs> he really oh, hates yeah. us. <laughs> so how many times have we seen a puck in the Red Wings zone on a Red Wings defenseman stick and then less than 10 seconds later, it's in the Red Wings net? Korchinski's reads on his outlets are phenomenal not just that he makes the right pass it's how quickly he processes what's going on in front of him and makes the right play whether that's just a quick bump to the winger on the wall off the glass and out because everybody's covered or by taking a couple steps and hitting a guy in stride for you know an odd man rush like he has that down pat in his game and that is i would argue the biggest strength of his game so when we say his defensive game needs work, it's not all of his defensive game, and it's not that he has no value as a defenseman. He has a lot of value in the defensive end. It's just not in the ways you traditionally think of a defenseman. He just, to me, is a guy who's really raw, right? And that's, again, it's not a bad thing. There's a ton I, I wouldn't of- even say raw. I would only say raw in a couple aspects. In a couple aspects. Yeah. He has a ton of individual skill, and the, way, the things he's able to do, based on what you just mentioned – like you're already seeing the fruits of that. It's not that it's, you know, all tools, no toolbox or whatever the analogy that we're going with right now is. Um, he's he's able to do a lot on the ice and just by by refining those tools and getting them to be a little bit more productive in the defensive zone and, and maybe making a better read or, or doing a little better with play selection or knowing when to, you know, jump up in the rush or, or really walk the line or whatever it might be, you know, the talent is there for it. And that individual skill, that talent, that that the raw, unrefined, but still like glimmery part of him, it, it's he's going to be an attractive prospect. I see him shooting up the board in my mind. I think he goes closer to ten than twenty. I I do too. I think he's going to slip in around that fifteen area. He's just there's too much talent to let him slide. On top of the fact that we've seen the type of premium defensemen have been getting in the draft lately especially coupled with the dumb contracts they've been getting in the nhl all of a sudden those three years of an elc have that much more value yeah so yeah i i don't think he uh falls very far oh this one's gonna get clipped this one's gonna get clipped by ice hockey gifts and we're gonna end up looking stupid (laughs) why we're complimentary no it's just because we're (laughs) we're saying it's definitely not gonna like he's definitely not gonna go high enough for detroit or low enough for detroit and it's gonna be one or the other yeah, the Red Wings get him at pick 41, and then it's like, okay, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Ends up being a bust. Yeah, cool. Awesome. <laughs> no, genuinely, um, Korchinski's a guy who we've we've had the privilege to watch and wow us in person, and, and the more we look into it, the more it's like, yeah, 
this guy might be something. Yeah, so. that game wasn't an outlier. All right. The uh, conversation that I know you're going to love having. <sighs> It's 2022. I just want that on the record before we uh, start this. The Anaheim Ducks dunked on the Arizona Coyotes. Um, It was a game where Trevor Zegras, the freak, hit another Michigan goal, did it around Sonny Milano. And I saw some people like detracting from Zegras for that. I think that made it harder. Uh, yeah, that yes. definitely made it harder. That a thousand percent made it harder. He tried an in between the legs like shot first and then picked it up for the Michigan. And like, yeah, is the shot selection or could he have done that less skilled? For sure. Of no, course. no, he couldn't have. I will absolutely argue he couldn't. Those were the best two plays he could have made in the position he was in for both of them. Anyhow, it's all positive. <laughs> what a freak of nature. Great goal. The Anaheim Ducks are are up five nothing. They're like two minutes left. Zegris goes in for a puck that he says is loose. Arizona thinks it's not. He digs at the goalie, takes a cross check. There's a big scrum. Troy Terry comes in and Jay Beagle beats the ever loving hell out of him to the point where like you see his eye, it, like Troy Terry's eye and face, and you're like, Terry ended up like motionless on the ice. Like Beagle just went off, and it, Terry's face got messed up. So part of this was the commentary from the Coyotes broadcast where um, Tyson Nash talked about, that's the problem with these young players. You want to embarrass guys. You want to skill it up. You better be prepared to get punched in the mouth. Troy, uh, not Troy Terry. Tyson Nash is a meathead. Like stupid thing to say, like just dumb, just dissociated from what NHL hockey is just completely some weird homerism take where he was pissed that the team he was calling for, whatever. Jay Beagle, I'm sorry. I know there's going to be defenders of this. Jay Beagle is also an idiot for taking it that far. Troy Terry's gloves aren't off. You very obviously are feeling that you're connecting multiple times. I'm not convinced that like, Troy Terry would have fallen sooner had Jay Beagle not been holding him up, right? Like or whatever that clip was, like, Beagle took it too far against Troy Terry. This is shades of uh, of what happened with the Rangers and um, and the Caps with with Tom Wilson. And I think Beagle's an idiot too for for doing what he did. That said, there in my mind, and, and this might be unpopular, acknowledging that Tyson Nash is an idiot, but he had no bearing on that moment, and acknowledging that Jay Beagle, you know, after Troy Terry, you know, wanted it, like Troy Terry came in like looking for the scrum. Acknowledging that I think he took it too far. I don't think this was about, or if it was about skill, that's not what that moment was about. Trevor Zegras teed off in a post-game interview, which I loved because it had personality and it was real. And he just spoke his mind, which I think hockey needs more of. He teed off. He's like, there's two, five, nothing game with two minutes left. And and my immediate thought is, all right, it's a five, nothing game with two minutes left. What are you taking a dig at a goalie for? You have to be prepared. That's why he took the cross check. And admittedly, he did say he was okay with the cross check. Like he understood that that happened. But that whole thing happens because they're going that hard in a 5 nothing hockey game. I think everyone here is an idiot. <laughs> That's my take on it. I think everyone's dumb. Yeah, that, that is ultimately what it comes down to. Now, I will argue that uh, Jay Beagle and Tyson Ash are more dumb than the Ducks players. But the Ducks players are still dumb because, yeah. If we want to go by Tyson Nash's old school bro hockey code that is stupid as hell, but definitely exists and hockey players live and die by it, no matter how stupid they know it is. Yeah. Five nothing game. Code says you don't dig at the goalie. 
uh, when you're when a guy gets cross checked, well, code says your teammates got to come in and help. Troy Terry comes in and helps. Code says when you come in and help, expect retaliation. Code says though, when a guy's done with a fight, he's done with the fight. Yeah, you don't keep going. So. Zegras shouldn't have poked at the goalie. I'm happy he acknowledged that the cross check he received immediately after was fair because it was. That was the accept- appropriate response in that circumstance. Terry had shouldn't have come in if he didn't expect something to happen. Now, what happened went way overboard. Yeah. As soon as Beagle landed one or two shots and realized he was getting zero resistance, anybody with any character or respect in hockey, stops there. One or two shots is more than enough of a message. I guarantee Troy Terry doesn't do that again when he's playing the Coyotes if he gets punched in the mouth once. The fact that he landed so many, kept going, and Troy Terry ended up like that, of course he didn't get suspended because the NHL's a farce. Um, But yeah, you said it right. Everybody here is wrong and stupid. Every one of them. Uh, over to our resident uh, meathead boomer, <laughs> Evan. What's your take? Um, you know, if it's the playoffs and you know it's a two-one game, one-goal game kind of thing, and you know you take a shot at the goalie trying to think that there's a loose puck, like yeah, that's one thing. But when it's five nothing with a couple minutes left, you know maybe let that one go. Unless you know you've got a five hundred k bonus sitting on the line or something. Who knows? Maybe he does. I don't know. But uh, as soon as you take that extra shot, it's get ready for the Thunderdome because everybody's coming in. Guys come in for less. Yeah. So none of that really seemed all that controversial to me. Um, And then the scrum starts. Everybody finds a dance partner. It's the same old thing that we see time and time again. Um, I don't know if Troy Terry and Jay Beagle are a mismatch in terms of physical ability evidently yeah evidently (laughs) um but yeah i don't know you just don't just pound the living i mean the wires clearly crossed on everyone involved but the wires just got ripped out on jay beagle and he just went insane and that's the type of shit you suspend people for and they didn't because of course they didn't they well i mean they set the precedent with tom wilson yeah, I. Yeah, but I, that's not an apples to apples thing. It's no, no, it's not. I don't want to call it the same situation. It's not the. It's and not Aaron the, gra- jumped on the back of Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson power bombed him through the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't know which way, which side of the argument you're putting this on, but I do want to hear you tell the story. You're a poet when it comes to hockey fights. <laughs> um. Yeah, you know if you. <laughs> Like if you get a, a a bunch of really good licks on someone in a fight and they aren't throwing hands back and you don't feel the resistance of someone grabbing your jersey, you probably let them go. But that's in a very like controlled fight situation when you're just mad at someone. Jay Beagle just lost his goddamn mind. Yeah, he saw red. He hit, he hit. And that's when you suspend people. Because because of the lack of control. Okay, so I'm gonna. I'm gonna. What do you, by any chance, know what the penalties were? This is a question. I don't know what this was late in the game. They probably got like unsportsmanlike just to and just toss them. them. Yeah. Yeah. 
And like Beagle, we don't even know if he's going to get another contract. These might be the last 12 or 13 or 14 games of his career. Oh, have you seen him play? These are probably the last 12 or 13 games of his career. Oh, no. Some GM in the league watched that and says, I want that guy on my team. That's I would almost bet. The New York Rangers, Tom Wilson insurance. I'm going to say something which is going to piss people off and we're going to receive angry messages over. And I don't even necessarily believe that this is right. But what I believe to be the truth about today's NHL is that Trevor Zegers is a very, he like, He's a confident guy. He goes out. He tries the between the legs shot. He hits the Michigan. He celebrates. He taunts. He flaunts. Whatever. Full of personality. Pisses the other team the hell off. That would drive me absolutely goddamn insane absolutely. playing against him. And I'm not saying what Be- Beagle did to Terry had anything to do with that. But just because we're talking about it, I think what Trevor Zegras might want to learn. And 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 come at me here for oh, this, Mom Rob. <laughs> I, I'm ready. What Trevor Zegers might want to learn is if that's what you're doing, if that's what you're going to do, I'm all for it. I love it. A hundred percent. I'm not even being ironic here, but you have to learn the where and when afterwards. Because if you're doing that and then you're up five, nothing in a game, you have to understand that you digging at a goalie up five, nothing with two minutes left is different than like Adam Ernie doing it up five, nothing with two minutes left. A player on the opposing team is more liable to just go full Neanderthal wires ripped out like evan said and, and completely see, like see red and rage out if you've if you've spent the whole game waving the red flag at the bull right maybe maybe that's just too much hockey meathead and i don't believe that that's the way the nhl should be I'm gonna scale it back but give the same thing you're trying to say is just he can trevor's eagers can should keep doing exactly what he's doing but like Oh my end, this is gonna sound so dumb. <laughs> now we open up the boomer window. <laughs> yeah. But like and I, I've argued against this so many times that I don't even know if I believe what I'm about to say, but like you you kind of just have to back off when it's a five-nothing game with two minutes left. You you, do. And not back off in terms of you have a breakaway and you dump it in the corner or, or you have a power play so you don't shoot. It's it's you just don't take a shot at a goalie. It's, it's, it's not, I'm not saying don't, I'm not saying take your foot off the gas. I'm just saying don't like just taking those extra shots is, is what's going to put you into those situations. And and I'm, I'm fully with you and I acknowledge that it's messed up because it's, it's, it does not excuse Jay Beagle's disproportionate response. And it's, it's literally victim blaming, but it's, it's, you have to understand the climate and the temperature of the game and Again, don't he, take it. And I'm, he ha, he already he definitely does. He does. He, no one's that confident in showboats without knowing what it's doing to the other team. It's part of the the, the strategy. He said it was fair game when he got cross checked after yeah, he he, he knew it. For he the, knew it. He was ready for the Thunderdome. So where I'm going to agree with you, but for diff- a little bit of different context is. I don't think it's because of the flash and all that. The other, it probably does piss the other team off. But, but that's not I'll, I'll his get, problem. I'll, exactly. I'll get to that. But he is one of the best players on the duck. So I think if he, if one of the better players on a team does something like that, every team in the world is going to take license to take a shot on him. Like if that's Dylan yeah, Larkin, who good. doesn't do the flashy stuff that Zeger does, does the yeah, same thing. Good players taking shots is not a new yeah, thing. Yeah, no. <laughs> that's going to happen. He knows that. He's played hockey. Again, all meathead hockey players know the meathead bro code. I'm not saying I agree with every aspect of the code, but I know the code very damn well. And he knows that. There's no way he doesn't know that. But this is the irony of hockey culture that I love because 
you're not wrong that that's going to happen, Ryan, but the stupidity of it is hockey is the sport that flaunts its the bravado, the macho aspect of it. Look how tough and strong our players are. Oh, I'm going to kill that guy because he hurt my feelings. He embarrassed me on the ice. This is what we're talking about. This is how stupid this sport is. Bunch of snowflakes. Yeah, Literally. <laughs> like, that is what we're talking about. Oh, he scored a really fancy goal. I'm going to try and injure him for the rest of the season. Is something that is going to keep happening. And well, someone's got to beat the wheels off Jay Beagle. Yeah. If I could think of any good players on Arizona, I would say beat the wheels off them. The only reason I'm not going harder on Jay Beagle here, and I'm, I'm talking about Trevor Zegers, his own yeah, career. His career's over. <laughs> Trevor Zegers has his whole career ahead of him. Jay Beagle's irrelevant. And it's actually infuriating because he, if he doesn't sign another contract, you're like, wow, that guy did not get his just desserts. And that, that pisses you off. Well, I mean, that kind of is it. But no, but this is like... Getting back to Tyson Nash's stupid comment about skilling it up, you're going to argue Zegers pulling it through the legs and a Michigan is bad for the game. The puck went in the goddamn net. It worked. It was the right play because the puck ended up in the net, which is the point of the game of hockey. And how many <laughs> kids or any, how many hockey players do you see now trying to do it? It has Fun. fundamentally changed how people approach going behind the net. And the more people that can do it, the fundamentally it's going to change how you have to defend in the defensive zone, which is going to open up more opportunities because now you can't just leave the guy behind the net, which is going to open up someone in front of the net. Like to, to stick the goalie and then beat the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> the penalties for what it's worth um, were Jay Beagle fighting. Troy Terry roughing, Jay Beagle cross-checking, Jay Beagle game misconduct, Phil Kessel misconduct. So Beagle got more out of this. No, <laughs> no supplementary discipline for Beagle, obviously. And I, I, I want to just recognize one more thing. I, there's, a, there's a fine line between what uh, Tyson Nash said on the broadcast, which was essentially justifying. He was saying all that in the context of Jay Beagle. It was literally a terrible take that everyone heard. It, yeah, after B, he was talking about Beagle beating Troy Terry senseless. Like I'm not exaggerating, and that's like that's the context he used it in, and I fully disagree with that. And his words of "if you're going to skill it up, you have to expect to be punched in the mouth." It's a stupid comment. I, really, I don't even know what that. I don't even understand what that means. Skill, that's like never happened. Tyson Nash had a very long career of being a very bad NHL hockey player, and has had a very long career of being a very bad NHL commentator. So I understand that the, the, the take that you and I had, Evan might sound like it's agreeing and I can't emphasize enough. It's not about that. This is Trevor Zegers's fault because he hit those moves. Just talking about again, the dig at the goalie after a full game of doing that, you know, it's, it's a two, one game. You're fighting for your playoff life and, or whatever. That's completely different. Yeah. It had no, has nothing to do with a guy being skilled, so you're going to get punched in the mouth. That's stupid, and I hate it. And any player who does that deserves to get tuned up afterwards. Yeah, like you, any player who punches someone in the mouth just because they're good. Like it's my, it's dumb. My argument would be if you are upset about players scoring the Michigan on you, and that hurts your feelings because you're a little baby. Don't let him do that. <laughs> stop him. That is how you don't have to deal with the Michigan. Be good enough to stop him. And if you're not, well, then that's your problem. Yeah. Um, well, 
I've made a meal. We made a meal of that conversation, so I'm sure there's going to be a... Yeah. At the, the whole thing yeah, was I don't, know. I don't even know how I could unbury myself, but I definitely do not agree with Jay Beagle beating someone no. while they are lacking the ability to defend themselves. But I also agree that, you know, if um, it's Trevor Zegers is going to take one extra shot, it, there's going to there's gonna be some... some Rasslin. Here, Evan, I'll dig you out of your hole. It's understanding how... No, no, I'm okay down here now. (laughs) It's understanding how the hockey bro code works without necessarily agreeing with the code. Sure. All right, why don't we jump into overtime here? You know me. I love a good... uh I love a little violence. dance at Hockey Town Evan. <laughs> you can forward all complaints to wingwheelpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, we're going to get into overtime here. We're going to start with our Patreon supporters who are the reason why we can do things like have Winged Wheel Podcast Night in the LCA, fundraise for the Jamie Daniels Foundation, record this podcast twice a week. Hey, if anyone wants to golf with me on Friday, let me know. Yeah, that's true. Evan surprisingly doesn't have a golf buddy. Well, not in America. <laughs> It's a big country. You don't have one friend? No, apparently. Uh, at Hockey Town Evan, let him know if you want to golf with him on Friday. You've got several hundred of them coming I'm trying. this week. I'm trying. Uh, Patreon.com slash Winged Wheel Podcast if you want to support the show and get in on the Discord. The Discord's been chaos. a blast. The best yeah. organized chaos. Uh, we're going to start with the user CNODS who says, it's preseason. Rank these statements by how much you'd believe them back in September. Least believable to most. Raymond has over 50 points re- leading rookies. Sider is leading the wings and assists. And Rasmussen has more goals than Zadina. Rasmussen is the least believable one. That's the most believable for me coming into the season. No, that would be the least for me. Uh, then I'll go Raymond and Sider. I will say the most unbelievable is Sider leading the wings and assists. Raymond having over 50 points in the middle. And then Rasmussen more goals than Zadina being the most believable just because Zadina you know, it wasn't a guarantee that he was going to have a good season, and here we are. Yeah, but remember where Rasmussen was at before the season? Yeah, that's fair. I don't know. A lot of my my reasoning behind it isn't necessarily because of the players involved. Like, my believing Sider would lead the team in assists, it wasn't necessarily for my unbridled optimism about Sider going into the season, which I did have a lot of. It was my overall pessimism about the rest of the roster. Yeah, I don't find the the cider one that surprising because who else is going to play on the power play? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, Jacob Charlip has a really good question. This is actually one that I play uh, out in my head quite a bit. Um, I've been having this debate all week with my friends and I need it settled. Prime Fedorov versus Prime Datsuk. Who are you taking to start your team? I'd say I'm talking razor thin margins. Prime, and we're talking prime at the absolute top of their games it's kind of got to be Fedorov. Fedorov's got a heart man there was a season he was the best player in the world i think there was a point in time where pavel datsuk was the best player in the world but i don't, I don't think there was i, I think, think there he was, was in the i think he was in the conversation i think he was right there but he was let's not forget prime datsuk was up against prime crosby prime ovechkin there may have been like he was not, right there though not the counting stats at the the most people would go by but i think a lot of the polls of the nhl would have been like this guy's an absolute freak like fedorov won an mvp trophy in the midst of late prime gretzky and lemieux 
I mean, that's and that, that's <laughs> kind of st- like I'm not saying none of this diminishes Datsuk. And had they been in the same era, I mean, we'd be talking more cups for Detroit here. That's how good both of them were. Yeah, I will. I will fight to the death that Datsuk at one point or a couple points. And Crosby was ramping up. And there was a point where Crosby really hit his peak, and I think he took over. But where Datsuk did surpass Crosby as best overall. But yeah, with Fedorov, it's like Datsuk. People are already forgetting what Fedorov did, and it's <sighs> Datsuk absolutely could have eclipsed Crosby for a season or two. Fedorov eclipsed Gretzky for a season. <laughs> like I know, like Gretz, it was like Gretzky's like twelfth or thirteenth or fourteenth season or something like that. But Gretzky was still putting up like a hundred and however many ridiculous amount of points at that point too still yeah it's a tough one though Yeah, it's a real tough problem to have you can't go wrong if you like if this was like a fancy world and you were doing this you could not go wrong either way if you take Fedorov off those red wings teams and replace them with that so they don't lose they don't win any less cups yeah they, they're <laughs> still just as good <laughs> you just play a little differently um okay and I'm Devin, says, afternoon squad leaders, based off of the salary cap discussion started on the previous episode, I have a proposition. I woke up the Discord with that conversation. Yeah, you did. There was a lot of scrolling. Yeah, I didn't read it all, but there were some well-formed <laughs> points I could tell. Evan, we know you can't read. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this man this man lives off text-to-speech. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tradable salary cap. For ease of use of discussion, the salary cap is 80 mil, the cap floor is 60 mil. Teams have the option to trade usable salary cap. However, in order for a team to trade their cap, they must have 70 mil on the active cap being used. Retained contracts and buyouts don't cap count toward the cap floor. Cap trade floor. This would force teams who want to trade their cap space to have active contracts and field usable teams. GMs get to determine how much cap space is worth. Man, at that point, just make it a soft cap with a luxury tax. Way cleaner. <laughs> I I don't... Wait. If we're doing wild ideas, it's not the most insane. I just... And I know you might know this, but I don't think the NHL will ever get to that point. No, because the NHL is all about parity, and as the salary cap world has evolved, there's been less parity, as this season being the shining example of it, because teams have learned to maximize value and cap space going both ways, which is just further spreading the extremes. Like, you know, you get the Ottawas and the Arizonas of the world who are finding ways just to get to the cap floor without having to pay actual money. uh, Coyotes legend, Shea Weber. Yeah, exactly. And then you get all these like LTIR, like loopholes and salary retentions and trades with third party to retain even more salary to ramp up the Tampas and the Floridas and the Vegases of the world. So I think adding more ways to have cap flexibility is going to further reduce the parity in the NHL, which I don't think the NHL loves how much it's already been spread. The players would also never agree to tradable salary cap. I don't think they would. I could see them doing it because that might inflate some contracts. I can see the players being okay with Brad, it. Brad, I, I don't know if I, we've talked, may have talked about this, but how do you feel about like designated? Each team has two designated player slots and they can sign the two players to anything doesn't count against the cap. Um, I've heard another variation of it that I really like. It's one player, not two. You get one player who doesn't count against your cap, but you had to have drafted and developed him. You could not have signed him as a free agent or acquired him via trade. It is your reward for properly developing this player. So because like hypothetically, Edmonton, 
got lucky, got one overall. They drafted, they developed McDavid. They can pay him whatever he wanted. Doesn't happen. They had to do a lot of work there. <laughs> but you're only allowed one per season, which means you can't get a discounted dry saddle ever because McDavid's well, one per season is a lot, right? Uh, you only get one per season. And like one can, contract can be yeah. active in that slot. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So, I think meant like one additional. I was like, holy let's, shit. <laughs> let's say hypothetically, not obviously going to happen, but let's say hypothetically next season, Edmonton wins the draft lottery again. They get Connor Bedard. Connor Bedard ends up being better Don't than McDavid. That. Don't say that. They can only have one of them as a freebie because that's all the slot. And they could rotate them year by year if they wanted. It doesn't matter who. You get one. So this year, the way the Red Wings are constructed, Larkin wouldn't count against their salary cap. And, you know, if Mo Sider gets a raise that's bigger than Larkin's, he doesn't count because he's drafted and developed. But like the New York Rangers, for example, they cannot hide uh, Truba or Zibanejad or Panarin because they were all trades and free agents, right? Uh, so That's very interesting. Yeah, that was kind of my, I, I shouldn't say mine, the, the idea I heard to give teams a little more cap flexibility, and that was the one I liked the most. Is It's kind of like that franchise tag, but you had to have done the legwork on that player. Um, I like it. MVP 96 says, uh, I was debating Mantha trade offers with Prashanth and, uh, Prashanth had a, a, a tweet from a while ago. I think it was last year and it was a, you know, hypothetical trade. So we all know how the Mantha trade actually went down with like a Verona ended up being Kosa, et cetera. So the proposed from Prashanth, and this is from a year ago over, uh, was Mantha and Edmonton's second in 2021. So this is previous, in exchange for Shane Goss's bear, Philadelphia's 2022 first and a 2021 third. So that 2022 first is this year's draft, and that's a lottery pick. So what do you prefer? The return the Red Wings got with Verana and Kosa? And Kosa and, and everything that they turned that into? Or do you want that lottery pick and Goss's bear in the third? It's the Verana and Kosa. It's, it, I don't even think it's close because the Red Wings also gave up a second-round pick. In Prashant's hypothetical, is that where it moves for you? Like, say that. No, God, pick? no. Uh, this lottery pick. Let's say that. Let's assume it doesn't win the draft lottery because that's unlikely. But let's say it's a high pick. Let's say it's say pick five. Okay, uh, your check. We'll say your check. Kosa Verona. Would you trade Kosa and Verona straight up for your check right now? Because that's what it comes down to me. And to me, the answer is obviously no. Because if you're not committed to Verona long-term, you could probably turn him around for a first-round pick. And Kosa still looks like a prime candidate to be your franchise goalie. That's interesting. Maybe we'll talk to Prashanth about that when uh, next time he's on. But then again, it's not an apples-to-apples because let's not forget, the Red Wings gave up assets to use Washington's pick to trade up to get Kosa. So when you go down the whole rabbit hole, that's kind of the second-round picks there might actually balance out. So, yeah. yeah. Um. A couple more here. Misconduct Racing says, thoughts on ex- on an experiment of putting Raymond at center? No, absolutely not. His game's not tailored well for it. I think you could try at some point. I would. Not right now. I wouldn't do it right now. But in a bind, I would like to try it in a season or two. Why not? His game's not very well suited for it. He's a facilitator. He's not a... And he's not a burner. And he's not a super physical player. His assets are maximized on the wing. I think you undersell his physicality or at least his, his nose for he's willing to engage, but he, and, and he's not bad at it, but it's not a strength. I will not listen to this Lucas Raymond slander. No. Right. I'm just saying, I like Brad better when he wasn't here. You should slap him in the face. I can't. 
I'd have a reach. I'd hit my mic. I'd knock over my water. I'd hit his mic. That'd be a mess Eat to edit an audio. My rookie and then there's name <laughs> out of your mouth. Ryan, of course, ignores what would happen to him after. <laughs> yes, I would. Of course, I ignore that. I have I have no ambition of fighting parents ever. <laughs> no. Anyone who has known the love and fear for a child's well-being, like, I don't want to engage in physical altercation with that person. They're deranged. This guy's, he's an insane person. (laughs) That was even before children. That was even before children. That Brad would, Brad would Jay Beagle me, but be laughing while he was doing it. Because he would just unleash all of his pent-up energy. Brad has the amount of potential energy, and I'm talking like in terms of chemistry and physics, as an atom does before you split it. (laughs) This dude is chaotic. Evan and I like wear hockey pads when he comes in the house just to make sure he doesn't hurt us with all the energy he bursts into the room with. No, I'm not fighting you, but I will slap you someday. Actually, that's what we have Jen for. Yeah. Um, Okay. So the Reddit thread, uh, something messed up. It didn't post in time. I'm sorry. We had some extra questions from last week. I will make sure that the Reddit thread gets seen. And then on the midweek episode where it's usually Patreon exclusive, I'll take a look. We'll take some extra Reddit questions. Um, so that's on me, but yell at Evan for that just because it's fun to yell at Evan rooster 18 says, what's the most embarrassing loss this season? Uh, Pittsburgh, Arizona, or the Toronto 10, seven, or maybe the Kings shed out in January, or maybe the Habs or Bruins blowouts in November. God, the fact that we lost 11 to two a week ago, and that's not like an obvious answer. That is the most goals against in the cap era. It's gotta be the coyotes one though, right? Uh, that's also imba- wait. What's was it most embarrassing? Yeah, it's got to be the Coyotes because they're like Pittsburgh's a really damn good team. You, it's not surprising they blow at the Red Wings by that much. Yeah, obviously that's bad. But nine two to a team that is trying to ta- to run the tank to end all tanks. Like, good God, Jay Beagles was their first line center for that game. I think. Um. And then an additional or a similar question. O Gardens says, what was the turning point in these last two months? Time. Um, because it wasn't two months ago. <laughs> because this didn't start two months ago. No, no. What was the ter- turning point? Turning point of what? This. Oh, and you're saying there was. This, this team has been garbage since the first week of December. So whatever happened that week, that was the turning point. Festivus. You want to know what it was for me? Festivus. No, it, for me, it was um, Toronto. The first Toronto, and, and they were they only lost by three that game, and they almost was that the, the one where they had the Mitch Marner got the absolute gift that turned yeah. his entire season around. Yeah, as the I think the timeline like, split at that, and from that heroic giveaway, the timelines have split. The lighting. Red Wings. Oh, oh. <laughs> the no, I thought Heronic also gave up a walk. The, the the gift to Mitch Marner in Toronto, that one was no, that no, Nick Detroit. Letty? Oh my Detroit. God! How many were there? Because I'm thinking of the Letty one. Anyways, Marner. we'll get someone pull it up and tell us why we're wrong. But still, the Red Wings at one point were down seven two, and Toronto just kept scoring and scoring and scoring. And yeah, Toronto, Toronto did, and they let Detroit almost come back and win that game. But that to me was, you know, we knew that the Red Wings were overperforming all season, and January and February weren't going well. Most of December weren't going well already. Um, but we didn't know that the Red Wings had. 10. They could give up 10. We didn't know they could give up 10. And for me, that was a wound that just never closed back up. So if you want to kind of pick, I, I don't remember these games in particular very well, but just going back through the schedule, you can almost pinpoint it. So 
The Red Wings. It's the exact moment old, his heart rips in two. old yeah. Ralph Wiggum. <laughs> so the Red Wings ended November and went into December on a one, two, three, four, five game winning streak. And then in the same week, lost 5-2 to Nashville, 6-2 to St. Louis, and 7-3 to Colorado. Damn Roman Yossi and his good looks. There you go. Yeah, honestly. There, there was the week it all went to shit. It was really a matter of time. Do you honestly think this team could have kept up all year? No, 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 no. Okay. Of course okay. not. Okay. Okay. Let's Okay, let's say even the Red Wings got the same goaltending they got from Nedeljkovic and Grice at the first third of the season all year, I still don't think they're a playoff team. Oh, God, no. But, you know, we, we got a little bit of good and a little bit of bad, a, lo- a lot of bad this year, but we we got we got a good sample into the future. <sighs> Hopefully. You, God, I hope. <laughs> you did. We got enough into the future. I'm, so, I'm trying to find that clip to see who, uh, who had the giveaway. You got enough into the future, but it was still, it was still bad. Anyhow, um, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Wing Wheel Podcast to uh, record the Patreon exclusive overtime. Again, Reddit users, sorry. We'll get more of your questions for the midweek episode. Folks, uh, Wing Wheel Podcast night tickets at the LCA. We've been adding more for you to get. Uh, more tickets are available, and be sure to check out Comedy Night um, in benefit of the Jamie Daniels Foundation as well. I'd like to thank all of you for tuning in, everyone who supports the show, Patreon users, listeners, everyone who's given us ratings on iTunes and Spotify, anywhere else. Uh, the sponsors of this podcast, the FanDuel Sportsbook, and our name-level Patreon supporters, Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Kyle Karagitz, Nick Perks, Brett Bailey, Terry Driver of the number 69 Crying Ryan Hannes Banana Slam and Jamathong, Matthew M. Rice, Billy Howell, Boost Slop Singer, Brandon M., Brian Johnson, Carl Brutana Nanaluski, Chimmy, Citizen High Five, CJ Sully, Craig Kibble, Daniel Garcia, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Give Blood Fight Probert, Given Good D with Brian Hanna, Greech, Hana Lee, Hassam Al Qasem, Jay Gollum, Jacob Turner, Justin and the Angry Mob, Kaylin Wood, King Tone, Kyle Hashman, Marcus, Matt McKay, RA, Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Zach Spring, Andrew Bohan, Sam Bankson, Adam, I wish I could finish like Ernie, Antonio Gracias, Babe Landeskog, Ben Barron, Connor Leighton, Dave W., Eric Sinkowski, Evans Bingo Card, James Laporte, Jeremiah Dobo, Jeremy Brocker, John Evans, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Logan Stull, Matt Keeler, Matt S., Max $1 million, Missing Vladdy more than ever, my bum is on the Swedish, Swedish, Swedish. I don't, I love Reed's names. They're wild. Papa Woody, Parking on the Street, Revy DeLuca, Terry Actual, Trevor Pevavar, Zach Handyside, and Zach McCann, a driving range superstar. Thank you all so much. We'll get through these last 13 games together. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.